Welcome to Jurassic Park. The first time I heard Richard Attenborough say those famous words, I was 12 years old in the cinema watching in amazement and sometimes through my fingers as Steven Spielberg brought dinosaurs to life. My guest today screamed her way through the film as Lex and thanks to her knowledge of the Unix system, saved the day. Here to talk about her life after that thing she did, please welcome Ariana Richards. Ariana, so lovely to speak with you today. Oh, it's so much fun to be here. This is really fun. Uh, firstly, happy belated birthday for a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you are so sweet. Yeah, I can't believe it. How did that happen, right? I got a chance to take it easy, though. It was really nice. We had a great time. It was also my birthday last weekend, and you're only a year older than me, so I feel like I've got to that age now where it's like birthdays are just another day. Oh, um, well, but birthday to you, too. That's nice. <laughs> Thank you. But um, I know you celebrated your 13th birthday on the set of Jurassic Park, so I imagine no subsequent birthday will ever be able to compete with that. Yeah, you know, really nothing will ever hold a candle to my birthday on the set of Jurassic. So the thing is, I don't know how Stephen knew that uh, the hurricane was actually going to hit on my birthday, but somehow he, he did. And he threw this fantastic birthday party for me on the set on September 10th. So all the cast was there. We were on the island. It was it was an incredibly muggy day. It was the weirdest weather ever, but it was so much fun too. I felt so celebrated and uh that was the day that, I, little did I know, I was about to go through this humongous natural disaster. Wow. But it was one of those things, though, going through with, with the, the whole film crew. And really, it was incredible. People like Richard Attenborough. I mean, he'd been through the blitz, right? And, and so Stephen is talking to him during this time where we're all uh, underneath the, the lower portions of the hotel, just waiting this this huge hurricane out. So I'll say this was actually like the biggest hurricane that had hit Hawaii ever and still to this day, wasn't it? Yes, it, it was absolutely astronomical and and it made history. So he's so Stephen's there talking to Richard and and wondering why Richard is just so calm and cool about this whole thing and everyone else is just in these jitters. And and Richard says, Oh, old boy, I've been through the blitz. <laughs> And then in the meantime, there's me and Joe and, and we're just hanging out with Steven and Steven is doing an amazing job of just kind of entertaining us with stories, especially spooky ghost stories, which I really found more frightening than the whole natural disaster experience because being 12, you're just not really with it when it comes to facts of life and what's really going on. And, and uh, so it's just as well, sweet innocence, right? And I imagine Steven Spielberg's ghost stories are probably quite good. <laughs> They're probably quite scary. Well, uh, exactly. He's known for being a storyteller, right? So uh, <laughs> I was certainly not thinking about the hurricane. So while we're on the subject of Jurassic Park, it's time to get down to business and enter the nostalgia zone. One of your very early roles that we first saw you in was in another much-loved film of the 90s, which was Tremors with Kevin Bacon. And I'm sure people still yell at you, Mindy, get off the pogo stick. Uh, but today we are going to talk about the film, I think, defined a lot of people's childhoods, which was, of course, Jurassic Park. And I found your audition process interesting because you didn't have a script, so you didn't really know what the film was about. 
um, other than it had dinosaurs in it. And your audition pretty much consisted of you just screaming. Well, yeah, you know, the, the interview for Jurassic was unusual. I mean, it, it was so hush-hush. There was a lot of top secret around it. So I wasn't given the, the standard information that I might see about my character and the story and maybe a standard set of sides to read for an audition. It was just, it was very minimal. And uh, I walk in there to, to get put on tape and see the casting person. And I just remember her giving me the basic idea. Okay, so this is what we're doing today, Ariana. So nice to have you here. You need to pretend that there's a dinosaur that is going to attack you and you just need to scream for us, just let loose. So that was uh, that was a rather unusual process. And then, of course, I, I do the audition. Like I, I did tons of auditions before that since I started acting when I was six years old. And I just forgot about it and went on to other things. And, and uh, I don't know, just recently after that, I'm on the way to Disneyland with my mom and sister. And I get a phone call from my agent that uh, Stephen wants to meet with me. So. Well, we put this the Disneyland plans on hold and went to meet Steven. This wasn't the first time you were ever going to go to Disneyland, was it? No, I had actually been there one time. That's all right then. <laughs> That's okay. It was the second time I would have ever been to Disneyland. However, I wisely decided to put that aside and go meet Steven at his office instead. <laughs> Disneyland's going to be there tomorrow. It's fine. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So it was a it was one of those things where I went to see him and. And it, it was it was fun. I mean, he made it fun. He's always kind of just been easygoing and playful and able to just uh, be my friend, even at a little young age of, of age 12, and just kind of talk about things I'm interested in, get my input in the scenes. Because I was already a very serious little actress by the age of 12. I, I took my roles very seriously. I investigated the characters I was playing. I prepared very well for each scene. And I think Stephen liked that about me as well. But he would always discuss ideas for scenes with me prior to filming. And um, there we were just meeting for the first time. I guess what, what really shocked me about that first meeting with him in his office before we started filming was that uh, for the first time ever in a, an audition, uh, I was asked, well, so Ariana, what are you doing this summer? Are you busy this summer? And I said, nope. And he said, well, then you've got the role. You're Lex. And the rest is history, as they say. That's right. Your, your scream's like been immortalized now in the world of trivia because I was at a film quiz a few weeks ago and they had an audio clips round where you had to identify the film and one clip was your scream. And my husband immediately got it straight away. It's like, it's Jurassic Park. Um, so there you go. You are immortalized in the world of trivia now. That is fantastic. Now, what, what trivia game was this? I, I must know. I'm afraid to say it was on a cruise. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I say that we weren't actually participating in the quiz. We were walking past when the question ran on. And so the clip played. And my husband just shouted, That's Jurassic Park. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. I think he gave some people the answers. I love it. Well, well you know, it, it is one of those funny things. I, I guess my screen did have something to do with it. I mean, if you think about it, I, I did a lot of screaming in that movie and, and I didn't have that many lines if you think about it. So it was rather important that my scream carried the day like it did. And, uh, and of course, you know, I, I heard the story about Stephen being just uh, 
tired watching all the girls screaming on tape from the audition that day and, and his wife already sleeping on the couch next to him. And they get to me on tape and he's watching me scream. And, uh, and all of a sudden his wife leaps out of her dead sleep on the couch and runs into the hallway shouting, are the kids okay? Steven, are the kids okay? So I think that that helped him realize, okay, I think she might be the one. Let's talk about your first days on set and meeting the animatronic dinosaurs for the first time. That must have been fantastic as a kid to see these full-size breathing creatures come to life in front of you compared to having a tennis ball on a stick that people usually have to act to these days. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny, but uh, the dinosaurs were actually in the flesh fully about 80% of the time while we were filming. So I was so lucky because as a kid, talk about a magical type of movie set to just walk onto. And you never knew what you were going to find that day, what kind of dinosaur they would have created, what kind of incredible jungle set. It, it was like magic. So I get on set, I get to see these creatures. And uh, of course I have to glom onto all the the people like Stan Winston, who was absolutely a legend, learn from them and see how the creatures work. I was fascinated. Stan was so patient with me in between scenes. He would let me sit with him and his guys and, and just explain to me which guy was moving the toe and which guy was moving the iris and uh, of this T-Rex. It was really fun. I guess acting isn't that hard when you have a life-size T-Rex attacking you in a Jeep. You know, it made it easier. It definitely did. Though I, I have to always remember that that Stephen really um, uh, made me laugh. <laughs> he came over to the Jeep once, just in between filming, as I was doing the scenes where I was um, holding the flashlight, and the T Rex was close by. And, and Stephen comes over just to say hi, and, and he says, "You know, Ariana, I've been wondering something. So, so how do you get to those those depths of of terror that I see you reaching emotionally? I mean." What are you drawing from at your age? Were you scared by a clown when you were three? <laughs> and then he said, wait, 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 don't tell me. I don't want to know. Is that traumatic? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you shouldn't always believe everything you read on the internet, but is it true that the T-Rex would occasionally malfunction and come to life unexpectedly? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was a machine. So sometimes it wouldn't always work according to plan. Um, for the most part, everything I saw, it was it was all really good. Uh, it was all working the way it needed to. Um, there was only the one time that I noticed when the T Rex was crashing down on top of me and Joey with that the roof of the uh, Explorer, and one of the teeth fell out. But it was it was pretty funny that it happened, and I, I thought it was kind of funny. They had to get the Dino Dentist in. Is there a tooth fairy for T Rexes? I don't know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> as um, as a child actor. What was it like to be directed by Steven Spielberg? He kind of hinted on it a bit before then, but because he'd been on this huge wave of success in the 80s after E.T. and three Indiana Jones films, and now here you are on a massive $60 million budget dinosaur film, do you feel the pressure of having to deliver? Well, see, that's an interesting one that when it comes to pressure, because I think one of the things that the beauty of being a 12-year-old who's just very innocent, just having fun. I was, I was into acting because I loved it. I was just having fun acting. I was in having fun traveling and doing parts and 
playing roles with these interesting actors and, and teams. So, so I was just enjoying it for the experience of it. And, and I wasn't thinking about any of the implications of something like budget or, or release or what was the impact going to be globally I and mean, nothing like that. So I was just, um, just there in, in the moment. And I think that was, that was great. And, uh, and so, so Stephen would just kind of hang out with, with me and Joe and, and not, not ever put pressure on us to, to deliver or, or anything like that, because I, I'm sure that he would have realized that that would have tainted our natural delivery because he wanted us just to be those characters. So, so it was a very, very relaxed atmosphere, I would say, for, for me and Joe on set. And though um, not relaxed in the sense that we had to be on our toes all the time, for example, there could be changes. Steven is very um, spontaneous. He might want to change a scene here and there. We would roll with those changes right away, right before shooting, which was fine. I, I loved you know jumping into something new and then making it happen. Um, so he would come over and hang out with us and and play games and then throw in little ideas about the upcoming scene in the middle of the game, which I thought looking back now as an adult, well, that was, that was an interesting perspective because we didn't even realize we were being directed. And of course he'd had like masses of experience working with kids. They say, you know, never work with children or animals or dinosaurs. Um, but there were obviously kids in, in ET. There were loads of kids in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. He did Hook before Jurassic Park. So I guess he must have had a real knack for communicating with kids and getting them to, to do what he wanted. Well, you know, it, it's something else because uh, he really just was our buddy. We had a great time with him. And, and he was so enthusiastic when we'd get a scene right that he would just leap out of his director's chair and give us a hug and say, that was fantastic. You absolutely nailed what I wanted. That was incredible. And so that kind of enthusiasm really got me excited to get things right. And I, I would always just run to set. I was so excited to work every day. Uh, after I was in the trailer doing schoolwork or something, I would just run to set when I heard it was my turn to get on, on camera again. It, it was it was exciting. It was fun. In sort of a, a quick fire round type thing, I'll say some of the names of your, your co-stars and if you could just tell me what your memories were of working with them. So let's kick off with Sam Neill. Well, I think I may have sent Sam Neill over the edge to his death once. Uh, so this is the story. Um, we're filming... Uh, the T-Rex paddock scene at Universal. And I'm very committed to finishing the scene, right? And as I'm on his back and I'm screaming, Timmy, and we're supposed to go down that that wall. And Oh, you're supposed to like reach for a, a wire and grab it and then the car drops down. Correct. He's holding onto the wire. I climb onto his back and then we're supposed to lower ourselves down the side of the, the wall with the wire. Well, I was very committed to the idea of completing the scene uh, from the beginning to the end. And little did I know that Sam was not aware of my intention. So uh, Stephen says, action. We start the scene and I hop on his back and I lean back. And the look on Sam's face on that monitor must have been incredible as his eyes bug out and we go falling down the edge of this, this wall. Uh, what I would have loved to see in close up would have been my mom's reaction because she was sitting near Stephen as Stephen is watching the monitor to see this. And Stephen breaks out into this laughter over this. He knows precisely what has happened. And my mother is looking at Stephen thinking, He's laughing and my daughter just died. <laughs> and of course I was fine. It was this gigantic crash mattress down below us. And so we were fine. Of course, the, the Sam was a bit rattled over the whole thing. He was, was not expecting it, I'm sure. And 
later on, of course, after Jurassic finish, um, he, he set up a, a winery in New Zealand called Two Paddocks. Mm. I do sometimes wonder if I drove him to that. <laughs> uh, what about Laura Dern? Yeah, you know, uh, Laura was was great. She she was really, um, really sweet. The first day I remember meeting her with Stephen, actually um, at his office. And it was really fun just to chat with her and Stephen. This is before we even started filming. Richard Attenborough, who's like... British royalty to us, but um, this was especially for, for for Richard Attenborough because it was his first film acting since 1979. Because he then switched to directing, and he won an Oscar for Gandhi, and he directed a Chorus Line and Chaplin. Um, so this obviously must have been a pretty big deal to entice him back onto the screen. Oh, Richard Attenborough, what an absolute gem! Oh, I feel so lucky to have gotten to work with him while he was alive. What a an incredible man and and just so so grandfatherly to me uh, on the set i couldn't believe it i would just spend time with him anytime he was on set that day i would just kind of glom onto him and talk to him about his life and his stories he would share his stories about filming gandhi and what that was like and directing and he was so delightful and so warm it was it was really something that uh, when you see that type of relationship on camera and it's really believable and you can see okay there's the grandfather and, and the children and you can really see that but but he was the same off camera as well I feel like he was just just that that person um, and finally Jeff Goldblum oh Jeff Jeff was such a blast to work with I mean, from the very beginning what a colorful person uh, in and out of character at any time he was just so much fun so uh, even during the filming of Jurassic, there, I remember so many fun times with him just joking around, having a great time, uh, and and at one point making me laugh just through his antics because uh, I was sitting there in, in the helicopter at one point and and he was running over his lines and I was I was so used to serious actors being very quiet about practicing their lines. They would hold their script, they would practice silently, but not Jeff. Jeff was in full color and he would just um, start practicing his lines out loud. And then he started speed reading them out loud. And it just made me just absolutely laughing like crazy. It was so funny. And then I went for what, what was it? Such a long time. I can't even believe how many years between that time and seeing him at the 2018 premiere for, for the movie. And I was just so excited to see him. I was just blown away and he was so excited as well, just to kind of reunite. And he was so sweet. So what a blast it was to to reconnect on that red carpet. The character of Lex in Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park novel and the Lex that you portrayed in the film were quite different in that she was seen as quite whiny and annoying in the book <laughs> and Tim had the computer skills which was switched up in the movie. Um, but were you really aware of how unusual it was at the time for a young female character to not only be into computer hacking, but also to save the day because Lex knew the Unix system. Right. You know, I had no idea, like I, like I said before, I kind of touched on it, but just the sweet innocence of youth. I wasn't aware of social implications. I mean, when you were 12, were you aware of social implications of anything? No, probably not so to that level. So it takes time to, to mature and to realize, okay, this is really interesting that I got to play a character that 
in, for example, in that time period in the nineties was, was quite rare to, to have a, a young girl getting to play the heroine and also be a computer expert and, and be able to know a Unix system, be able to hack in I mean, everything that she could do to save the day. It was really something. So, so once I got to be old enough to realize, wow, that's really great that I got to play a character that that had such a broad base of ability and then gets to, to implement it to, to save the day is just so awesome. Um, and then getting, getting letters after this film from a lot of people when, when people wrote fan letters and just hard copy, there were so many, I got so many, it was insane, but I was always, um, I was always really touched by, by the ones that, that I read that uh, talked about young girls who were inspired by my character, who, who said, Hey, I, I was really inspired to see that you could accomplish this and you were really into computers. And then um, I, I, I'm starting to study that kind of thing and, and see if I can move towards that direction in my life. And then recently I received what's called an NC Wit Award. And it's, it's a wonderful group of people who basically honor women in technology and, uh, and said, okay, so Ariana, you get the award for this because you inspired so many young women to go into fields of technology and computers and science and mathematics and see what they can do with it. And it's, it's really paid off. And so that was exciting for me to realize, okay, I got to be part of something great. Inspired a generation of computer hackers. Oh, right. Yeah. Somehow when you say it that way, it doesn't quite sound as great, right? <laughs> But it was such a shame that you never got an action figure when all the other characters did. Even like even Tim got one. I know. Were you disappointed? Because that would be cool to have your own action figure. Wasn't that weird? Yeah, that was so crazy. I remember that. I wondered why didn't they make one of Lex? And then I realized, okay, I think I realize what's going on now. It's because when the when the book was written by Michael Crichton, and you touched on this earlier about how Lex and Tim were were flip-flopped in ages and Lex was really incredibly annoying as a little girl and um and Tim had so much more breadth and depth to him and so basically that the action figures were based off of that initially so why would they want to make an action character of the Lex from the book right <laughs> I thought it was because um back in that time action figures were marketed at boys and they wouldn't want to play with a with a girl figure and and that although you think, oh, that's something from the 90s. That was actually something when the latest round of Star Wars films came out, when The Force Awakens came out, it was found that Rey only had one doll, one action figure of her, whereas all the other characters had multitudes wearing different costumes and everything, and there was only one female doll. And it was because, well, boys want to play with these toys and they don't want to play with a girl doll. They only want to play with the boys. So I kind of felt like that was the same, like magnified for the nineties for why maybe Lex didn't have a figure. There could have been multiple reasons. So I guess we'll never really know. We can surmise, right? Yeah. While I was watching um, some YouTube clips of you, I noticed many comments where people were saying that you were their first crush when they were growing up. But as a young female teen then, how did you deal with all the attention that came with the film? Like doing all the press interviews, photo shoots, fans, being being someone's first crush, all that kind of stuff. You know, it was weird actually as a young person, if you can imagine just living your life, it was already an exciting, unusual life. I mean, hey, I was growing up doing movies and traveling all over the place. It was so exciting and fun. 
But then all of a sudden being catapulted into international celebrity overnight as a young teen. I mean, that was crazy. I mean, I, I couldn't go anywhere, just be anymore, just be a person. You, you go to a cafe, you try to sit down with your friends or your family and, and the entire cafe is filled up with a line of people who want to say hi to you and get your autograph. You can't exactly just live the normal way that you did before. But at the same time, it, um, it opens up a lot of opportunities and, and that's great too. I, I had such a fun time traveling. I mean, talk about traveling all over the world, even for, for Jurassic in particular, there were so many opportunities to do that. Like the London premiere, for example, I have such fond memories of that. Wow. Getting to be there with the cast, Stephen telling me that, okay, Ariana, I think you're the one that's going to be able to pull this off. You should be the one who hands the flowers to Princess Diana. Well, yeah, because it was the British film premiere was one of our royal premieres and and they're quite rare. We don't have very many royal premieres and Princess Diana was the royal that attended your your premiere and you you, you presented her with flowers. So what do you what do you remember about that encounter and what did you talk about? Oh, it was so special for me. I was really excited because uh, I got to be the one to hold the bouquet and hand it to her and, and curtsy and greet her properly and, and meet meet Princess Di. But I just remember her being so, so gracious and, and so warm and just very regal and beautiful and uh, talking about... Um, how she was so looking forward to her her boys seeing the the movie eventually, and it was really something. And then uh, they, of course, as luck would have it, they placed me right behind her during the show of the film, and I got to watch her reactions to the movie, which was really something because watching Princess Die see the movie was was different than than the rest of of the group of people because you look at the rest of of the people in the in the seats, and a lot of people were reacting. I mean, they would get startled. They would leap in their chairs. They, they would cower down. They would hide their faces at times. And, and she was so untouchable. It was incredible. She just, she was so, so stately the whole time she was experiencing the movie. Cause I, I watched right there and, and, uh, and that really told me, you know what, this woman is made of steel. You posted a picture on Instagram a few years ago of you on the Jurassic Park ride at Universal Studios, which was taken around the time the film came out. And for anyone that's unfamiliar, it's a water ride that has an 85-foot drop at the end and you get completely soaked. But the thing that I love about the picture is that you went on the ride with Jeff Goldblum. That must have been a fun day. It was so much fun to be there at the Jurassic Park ride. Oh, wow. That was something. So it was not only Jeff Goldblum, but Steven Spielberg and General Schwarzkopf and Joe. We're, we're all in the ride, just going for it. We're experiencing it on the opening day. It was so much fun. And, uh, and I just remember, wow, this is really something to create this ride and, and be here together. And, and then uh, just only recently, they actually closed the ride down. I got to be there at Universal Studios before the closing and go on it one last time. It was so, so incredible to realize, whoa, it's actually going to be over. But it was so amazing at the same time just to be there one last time. Uh, and I have to ask, the third Jurassic World film is due out next year. And Chris Pratt teased that everyone from Jurassic Park would be returning. And we've seen pictures already of Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum on set. Do we see the return of Lex too? Oh, now that is something I would not be able to comment on. I'm sorry to say. 
<laughs> oh, that's tantalizingly. Mm, maybe that that's that's not a no. It's not a yes either, but it's not a no. So yeah, I guess yeah, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Okay, it's time to leave the nostalgia zone and enter what I like to call the latted zone, otherwise known as life after that thing I did. Shortly after Jurassic Park was released, you recorded and released an album, but I think it was only released in Japan. Um, What was the thinking and vision behind it and why did you ultimately not pursue singing after? Oh, um, the the album First Love was such a blast to create. I, I've always loved singing and uh, just creating that that album was so much fun. It was for Japan. I, of course, I, I enjoy Japan so much. In fact, uh, Japan is the place I visited multiple times um, starting around that that era. And uh, and I loved it. So I created that, that album. It was just a special invitation to create that album. It wasn't um, it wasn't that I was interested in developing a long-term professional singing career. It was more that that was a special invite. And I said, Oh, absolutely. This sounds really fun. Let's, let's make this happen. And I love Japan. I love this musical project. Let's do it. So that was really what it was about. It was about my self-expression. And so I, I got to, to fulfill that, which was really exciting. And in fact, Japan is, is the place where I um, also had my first, one of my first big art exhibitions. So, so that was exciting too. And that all kind of took off from there. So onto the onto the art. So so you continued acting on both TV and film, uh, including a cameo in the Lost World. But you decided to go to college and earned a degree in fine arts and drama, which led you to becoming the artist that you are now today. Was it a difficult decision to choose between acting and painting, or rather, at what point did art become more important to you? Well, you know, it's it's one of those things that um, I I decided to take a break uh, to get my degree and focus on that. So get my bachelor's out of the way. So I, I did that and and got my degree. And literally, when I was finishing my degree, literally right at the end, I was invited by a really prestigious institution called the California Art Club, based out of Pasadena, California, founded in 1909. They invited me as the very first female artist of my age group to be a member of this prestigious art club. And I accepted gladly and they, they invited me in to be mentored by some of the very best um, painters in the United States at the time. And uh, that was an incredible honor. So I, of course I said, yes. And I just go and, and enjoy that so much. I mean, it, it was incredible. I focused on it, but at the same time, when you jump deeply into one thing, it takes a tremendous amount of your time and focus. And so I figured, well, okay, so this is what I'm doing right now, though I still have the bug for acting, of course. And in fact, in 2018, there I am at the premiere for, for Jurassic World. And, and I feel like I even got the bug worse again for acting at that point. And so I, I think that um, eventually the right kind of project comes along um, that I'm excited about. And I'd be, I'd be really excited to, to jump on board, make that happen possibly and kind of kicking your own ideas like that. So at the same time, the art um, is, is very all consuming. <laughs> mm. But was it, was it scary to make that decision to, to kind of follow the art direction? Cause you're kind of, I guess, moving into a world of creating art for a living which I guess is not as as clear cut as, you know, when you're used to a steady paycheck 
from acting. It's that kind of unknown that you're leaping into. Yeah, it's it's an unknown, of course, but I feel like it was more about me just following the river of what, what is coming towards me right now and what are the opportunities that I want to, to take. And I was always drawn to, to having the ability to be my own, um, uh, I guess, creative director in the sense of, of establishing these art projects I wanted to create and implementing them and and that was exciting to me. So, so it didn't really feel like a decision where I was saying yes to one and no to the other. It was more that I was just following this river and going with the inspiration and focusing on that and, and seeing where it led. And it's not, it's not one thing or the other for me. But, um, mm. but at the same time, then I, I also did a bunch of travel, which I love. And I've done a lot of traveling, spent some time in South America, spent some time in Ireland. I mean, my husband's from Ireland or children are, are Irish too. And so in some ways I, I felt really at home there with that. And right now I'm back stateside again and kind of settling in here. And so that kind of travel bug was, was a big one I followed too. And, and so you see where, where things kind of lead, it'll be interesting. When I first heard that you were now an artist, I thought, yeah, she's an artist in inverted commas. Um, and then I saw your work and I was honestly blown away. Um, I mean, it's so good. <laughs> and for anyone that's not seen Ariana's award-winning work, go to her website, galleryariana.com. And I guarantee you will be amazed at what you see. Um, but you describe your art style as poetic realism. And what I'm most impressed at is that painting figures is hard. Painting landscapes is hard, but you paint figures in landscapes. <laughs> That's right. I'm guessing you like a challenge. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Thank you so much. It's really sweet to hear. I'm glad you like my work. Um, and I, I do enjoy that. Uh, it's one of those things that, that I, I enjoy is I, I look, I'll always enjoy painting portraits. It's one of my fortes that it really speaks to me. Um, getting to know people that I work with and paint portraits for, just getting to know their story, who they are, paint my impression of them, especially in natural light and, and tell their story in a way through that, that moment. And just through my impressions of, of brushwork on canvas, it's really fun. And I, I also like to use a setting often outside where it's so, so much about the moment, the experience. So, so that's one of those things I'll always do. And one of my current goals is to focus on, some preparations for more exhibitions as well of, of work. So that's, that's exciting for me too, to be focusing on in my, my artistic development. I mean, I should also say that painting is, is quite literally in your blood because on your mother's side, you're like 12 times great grandfather or something was, was the Renaissance painter, Carlo Crivelli, who was a contemporary of Botticelli. So you have like a family reputation to uphold. That's right. I couldn't let him down. So. <laughs> It is. It runs in my blood and it, I came by it uh, realistically here. So there I am, even as a little kid. Hey, I'm, I'm on the set of Jurassic. I'm on the set of uh, other movies like Tremors and, and others. And I, there I am sketching and drawing. And I was always doing that growing up and then studying starting at age 12 intensively. So it, it just went from there. It's always been a great love of mine. And it, I'm sure it will continue on forever. Doesn't just go away. Um, you paint commissions. You you mentioned you you paint people, and I was wondering how do you deal with the pressure of painting someone, especially someone's loved one, 
because if it was me, I'd be worried about mucking it up, um, let alone being able to capture their spirit in the resulting artwork that you create. You know, I've been really um, happy with the experience. Uh, I guess I most people that I've worked with, I'd say um, 99.9% of everyone has said, that I absolutely nailed it on the first try. They couldn't, they were blown away. Most of them are in tears when they see what I've created, which is really, really moving for me as an artist. And, and then that smaller percentage says, sometimes they'll get back to me and say, you know, um, it's almost incredibly perfect. Is there any way that you could just um, add a little bit of, of blonde into her hair a little bit more and and I, I make that adjustment and then they're just beyond thrilled. And that's, um, that's been really special for me just to create, create an heirloom piece. That is something that they can actually have on the wall. They can see it. They can feel it. It's there with them. It's not digital. They can hand it down to the generations. How long does it typically take you to paint a piece and how do you know when, when to stop or, or when the painting's done? Cause I can imagine it's like the one of the things we could just keep tinkering with it forever. Yeah, well, I am a perfectionist, so yeah, you could technically do that. But, but really, for me, what it's like when I'm working on a painting is I have a vision that I I want to go for when I start the the piece, and I I might not really know all the aspects of the vision. It's kind of a discovery process as I go along and sketch and paint and develop the painting. But when I get to the point of realizing, oh, okay. This this feels like what I envisioned. Uh, then I'm I'm ready to sign it. But but I'm a perfectionist, and I will not sign anything unless I feel like okay. So this is actually done. I'm ready to put my name on this. Um, you've spent uh, quite a few years being mentored, as you mentioned before, and working under a lot of artists. Can you see yourself as as being like an Obi Wan Kenobi to a young artist in future? Oh, yeah, I, I think absolutely. In, in the future, I would love to do some mentoring of, of some young artists or in the future, it would, it would be really something. It was so great for me as a young artist to get mentoring from these older experienced artists. And it, yeah, that would be really, really good. I, I think a lot of doors have started opening that, that weren't open before. And that's exciting for me to see. So we'll see how it all, all comes through. But yeah, that would be really good. Uh, final question. I read that all the Jurassic Park cast were given a model of a raptor, which was signed by Steven Spielberg. Where do you keep yours? Well, I have a prized uh, raptor in my art studio. It lives there very happily and I love it very much. <laughs> How big is it? Is it like a like a full scale size one or just like a little little one? Oh, it's actually a pretty big size. I would say it's about, let's see, the sculpture is absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's hand-painted, created by Stan Winston himself, signed by Stan and Stephen. It's just gorgeous. And so I'd say it's about four feet long, pretty good size. Compare it to a dog. Like, what kind of dog are we talking? Like a Labrador or a slightly smaller than a Labrador? Well, it's, I can't really compare it to a dog because the dimensions are all wrong to be compared to a dog. And it's seriously, if you try to compare a Velociraptor to a dog, they, the Velociraptor would be so offended. I just don't know what would happen. So let's just not go there. <laughs> just an artist to say the dimensions are all wrong. You can't compare the two. <laughs> but let's just say, let's just say approximately a meter, if you're thinking in that way, or approximately 3.3 feet. You know, it's approximately that size and length yeah so you can't have it as like a guard dog by the front door type thing it can't scare people off 
<laughs> no, no, I wouldn't put it at the front door. I just, I love it. It's in my studio. It's, it's really fun to have there. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. So all the cast has one and, and that's pretty special, isn't it? I heard that, or oh, oh, I read that Laura Dern used to have it in her son's nursery and it used to scare him and make him cry. So she then, she then hid it away. And one day she hopes they'll be friends. <laughs> that is actually a really funny story. I, uh, to be honest, I did for a while have it, um, near where, where my baby girl was sleeping, but I did realize that there could be an issue. So I did cover it with one of my favorite um, blankets at the time. So she couldn't see it until she was a bit older. (laughs) (laughs) And now she's fine with it, presumably. (laughs) Oh yes. She's actually thrilled with it. She loves the Raptor. Yeah. Although I haven't yet, I haven't yet let her and our, our youngest actually see Jurassic Park. So it'll be really interesting for me when they, they actually watch the movie, when they're old enough to watch it and, uh, and give me their opinion. They, they don't know anything about me playing Lex in the movie or anything like that. How old do you think you're, you're going to wait until, until they are to watch it? That's a good question. I haven't yet decided yet. Um, my husband and I will think about it, though. We'll, we'll figure it out. When, when they're actually ready, we'll know. Um, the oldest is five, the youngest is two. So we still have a little bit more time. Maybe 10. 10 might be a good age. Oh, I, that would probably be too old. We'll, we'll, we'll work on it before that. <laughs> Ariane, it's been lovely speaking with you. Thank you so much. Oh, you too. That was a blast. Big thank you again to Ariana for joining me. As I mentioned during our chat, do check out her website to see her amazing artwork. It's galleryariana.com. And you can also find her on Instagram at Ariana Richards. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Celebrity Catch Up. As I always say, I know there's lots of podcasts to choose from. So thank you so much for choosing this one. If you'd like to support the show, visit the shop at celebritycatchup.com or the support page where you can donate the cost of a coffee or whatever you'd like, which will help keep it free of charge. And please don't keep the podcast to yourself. Do share it with a friend or on social media so that others can discover and enjoy it too. Hit that follow button, leave a nice review. All that stuff massively helps me out and keeps the podcast going. Until next time, thanks for listening.